Hey DT fam, Cami here, dropping in a little snippet of one of our favorite podcasts for you to check out. It's from the Pleasure Podcast Network and it's called Holly Randall Unfiltered. We all know how porn is the dirty little secret that many people enjoy but also publicly shun. Stories of abuse, trafficking, and shame surrounding this industry are constantly being regurgitated by mainstream media. But what is so often excluded from this narrative is the voices of actual sex workers, those who are active in the industry today. And what they have to say about their chosen profession might surprise you. Hosted by director and photographer and overall badass Holly Randall, a 25-year veteran of the adult industry, this podcast interviews the people who make up this vastly misunderstood porn industry. From performers to directors to sex educators and therapists, this show explores the good and the bad stories to lift the veil of secrecy surrounding porn and to give a voice to those who truly understand what it's like to work in this thriving but highly stigmatized career. Forget everything you think about porn because this show is going to open your eyes and possibly change your mind. Holly Randall Unfiltered is available anywhere you listen to podcasts and as well as YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Find out more at hollyrandallunfiltered.com. And with that, here's a clip from one of our favorite episodes, number 262 with adult superstar Adriana Cheshik. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21 year veteran of this fascinating little industry. And as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer, Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. I am so excited about my guest today. She has been one of my most requested guests, and she's somebody I've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time. So I am absolutely so thrilled to have the one and only, like truly the fucking one and only, Adriana Chechek here today. Hi. <laughs> you look adorable as always. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God. I love your outfit. Thank you. Um, so Adriana, I guess, God, where do we even start? I mean, you're such a big star now and um, I know you've done a ton of podcasts, mm-hmm. but I guess let's assume that someone has never seen any of your other interviews. Let's mm-hmm. just talk about the beginning. Like, let's talk about how you grew up and then how you got into adult. Okay. Um, so I grew up in, uh, in and out of foster care, uh, mainly in Pennsylvania. So East coast. Um, and it was a pretty crazy life. I think, um, I actually think everything I went through in my past was really, really set me up 
for porn because I learned how to say no. <laughs> That's yeah, I learned the right and the, the wrong. Yeah, and um, from there, uh, when I was about sixteen, I emancipated myself from the state. Mm-hmm. So I had like all the privileges of an eighteen-year-old, and I worked at a restaurant for about a year, and then I went to college. I was in Drexel for uh, bioengineering for a year. Decided math was way too hard. Uh, (laughs) Tried to switch to biochem. uh, And in the midst of being a biochem major, my girlfriend, who was a stripper, and I was strapped for cash, was like, oh, you should come work at the strip club. So I was one night into being a cocktail waitress. And I remember seeing her get off stage with all the money that she had. And my second night, I actually went up and started stripping. And the money was so good. I was having such a fun time. It's kind of the only time I've ever, like, let loose since I grew up um, mainly with, like, strict families. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, like, my first taste of freedom. And I was making so much. I was just like, you know, I don't think I really want to go to school anymore. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I went from there and traveled around the U.S. for about uh, – so I started point at 21. I started traveling around the U.S. at 20. So I did one full year of just travel stripping, which is amazing money. And you kind of follow, like – golf competitions, bikers. Um, So you make really good money. And then I ended up in Miami. I was partying a lot. And I started to get used to like sleeping all day, working all night. And for me, I figured out I'm the type of person that likes to be awake in the daylight. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think they call it seasonal depression. Mm. So I felt like I was kind of having like the seasonal depression. Um, And a gentleman came in and was like, hey, do you want to be in a movie? And I don't think I thought it was a porno. I was just like, sure, I'll be in a movie thinking he was like lying or something. And I showed up to set and it was the Bang Bros. Um, I think it was Come Fiesta, right? So they just like make you get tested the morning of and mm-hmm. then they drive you to set and you're like, oh, you're doing a porno. And I remember being like, hmm, okay. And I was like, what's the worst that can happen? And I remember specifically thinking in my mind, like, I don't have family that would be upset. The half siblings I have were all really cool. And the only thing I could foresee in the future being an issue is if I wanted to have children, how would that affect my children? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I grew up in foster care, babysitting. It was the best birth control. So (laughs) I never want kids. So I was like, okay, fine, let's do this. But it it was just such a good experience that, you know, I was like able to, to... get paid a good amount of money, work at 8 a.m., be done by 5 p.m., um, and and be sober. And I really say, like, moving forward, I'm like, porn, in a way, I think helped save my life and put me on a good structure because my mother was addicted to drugs, is addicted to drugs. Um, people from my family are addicted to drugs, and I'm the only one that's not. And I think the structure of porn really is the reason why I didn't because you can't go to set fucked up, like, yeah, maybe some girls show up that way, but it's very, very rare. And they don't do a good scene or they don't last. People don't hire them. Like, you really have to treat your body good to, to work. And yeah. I think that was, like, a blessing in disguise for me. I'm glad that you said that because that goes counter to what so many people think about porn. People yeah. think that everybody's on drugs. People think that it's, like, a big party scene. And, you know, everybody's just, like, this damaged psycho deviant. And yeah. it, I try to explain to people, it's kind of one of the reasons I started this podcast. Like it's such a job. It's such like a nine to five yeah, job. Yeah. Like you have to be there on time and you know, we have 
like a shot list of like things I have to hit and mm-hmm. I have to make sure, you know, like I generally have like a guide for my client of like all these things I have to do. It's not like just people like laying around. Get and there and like, party. Yeah. Exactly. And I know some sets are like that I've heard, but yeah. like most sets and definitely like the more prestigious mainstream companies, they're, they're very structured. Yeah. I've only ever been on sets where it's like, um, people smoking weed. Yeah. And I've actually walked off three of those sets Mm. or I had a, I had one of the crazier agents, but he was good in the sense I could call him Mm -hmm. and he would lock it down. Like everyone would be terrified, but I will say one of my like funniest fan experiences was probably my blow bang. Mm -hmm. I had gotten a bunch of guys to do a fan blow bang. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was like, I'll give you like a flashlight photo, you know, if you just want to come, come do it and I'll pay for your test. Mm -hmm. And I had, I think 17 guys, uh, three of them were virgins and some of them flew all from different States to California to shoot this. And it was so wild because, um, not only they were, were they really, really good? Like they put me on, they put me on a, a spinning stool And they were, like, spinning me around, like, fucking my face and everything like that. And it was so good. Like, at the end of it, um, I was like, wow, that's so good. And at the time, I had a boyfriend and an assistant. And I was like, whoa, this was so good. We we filmed 58 minutes nonstop. Mm -hmm. Everyone came on time. And then my boyfriend at the time turns to me and he's like, "Mm, I gave everyone a Viagra. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh. He was like, I wanted to make sure you had a good day, you know. But it's ironic because I find that fans sometimes are better than male performers because um, especially when it comes to like multiple guys and having to come on time because they're so excited. They really want to try hard. And then um, they don't have that kind of jaded, jaded mentality like. Um, you know, I, I love our male performers, but to get them all to come when you want them to come, if you're doing like multiple pop shots is really fucking hard. You know, some of them's like, Oh, I need two minutes in the corner. Yeah. So I find the fans are great because if they see another guy come on you, they're like, Oh, I'm done. And then, you know, come on you. So it's like perfect. It is a weird, like chain reaction, isn't it? It's like one guy comes, like I've talked to people about Bukaki, like Bukaki scenes like this. And it's like a weird, like one guy comes and then like all the rest of them, like, yeah, yeah, it's really bizarre. Yeah. And then it's like the worst if somebody's got to take their like two minutes to themselves, you know, you're like, Oh, everything was perfect. I know. You know. And then you have to sit there with all this cum on your face and you, and it's starting to get cold and like yeah. maybe dry on your face. And you're like, come the fuck on, dude. Yeah, and then yeah. Like you're not in the moment anymore. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> with all your experience in the adult industry, what is, is there anything that you wish you had done differently? Is there anything you know now that you wish you had known getting in? Um, uh, there's two, two big things I would have done differently. Um, well, well, two things I wish, I wish I could have known and stuff. Um, the first thing is, you know, I wish I would have thought more on not how the actions are going to impact my future, um, and how people are going to view me for it, but how the emotions are going to impact my connection with others. Mm. So I often think like as a CEO, you, you sometimes sacrifice hanging out with your kids. Um, I worry one of my biggest fears, uh, that I'm trying to get over is, um, did I sacrifice my, uh, emotional connection with people to do some of these first or to have true intimate passion with people for this type of career? Mm. Um, because while I've experienced passion on camera and had very, very beautiful, intimate moments, 
um, Adriana's gotten so big that it's a little hard to connect with anybody on my personal level now. Like to meet somebody, you know, it, it, it sucks. Like if I go on a date, I, I often will get, uh, plan a date with somebody and then slowly the date will turn into being an hour later. Then it's, eight o'clock at night. Oh, meet me at a hotel. I get to the hotel. They just want to bang or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's taken a lot of, a lot of, um, I guess a lot of intimacy from me. Like people don't give me the respect of giving that, giving me the treat a woman, how she should be treated moments. So that kind of sucks. Um, I'm hoping I'll get it. I have a fear, but you know, maybe as I grow and change, um, and get older, I'll find somebody to do those things with. And then um, if I could take anything back in my career, it'd be the public actions that I did that weren't for companies. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I squirted on an escalator. Mm -hmm. While that did a lot for my brand in the sense of making me catapults and people were like, wow, this is crazy. What I realize now is those moments are actually hindering me from, um, average society wanting to work with me because they only see, see me in that light. Mm-hmm. Um, they also hinder me in a sense where, you know, people think to do those type of things, you're a partier, you're on drugs. Um, so I wish that I was able to see my brand when I was younger so I could understand the impact of my actions on my brand at all times. Yeah. So I could be a little more honed in because there's a difference in doing porn and and doing crazy things. And then there's also a difference between, like, living those crazy acts. Mm-hmm. So, and, like, now if I go out in public and I see girls, like, I, I, I went to a party and these girls were, like, fucking in the middle of the street. And, you know, I was like that so I can understand the freeing exhibition of it. But at the same time, like, I'm just, like... Some people don't want to see that. Now you're exposing it to them. Yeah. And, you know, like I kind of almost see some of the actions I had like as careless mm-hmm. because I didn't think about anybody else around me. I just did it for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. So I would have had a little more respect and a little more um, awareness for other people. And that was a preview of another show in the Pleasure Podcast Network called Holly Randall Unfiltered. Tune in every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Give her show a follow and some love. Give it a five-star review and check it out.